Melting Off Sports Show here, hosted by Dan Sadek alongside Zach Lacey, Jonathan Sullivan, and Ryan Brown. This week, we got a full slate of topics, including a week two recap, week three preview, Pats and Seahawks, Pats Raiders preview, Celtics absolutely blowing this series to the heat, and the Nuggets and the Lakers as well, plus a little bit more in the wrap-up show. Guys, how we doing today? Jonathan, how we doing? I'm doing well, Daniel. How about you? Been better been better i'll tell you that uh so let's start off with football like we usually do pats and seahawks pass lose 35 to 30 in a valiant effort on sunday night football cam newton had his coming out party in terms of just production what he did on the field what he was almost able to do at the end of the game had a qb draw at the very last seconds of this game came up just a little short uh tough to see but great to see this kind of effort and this close of a game against a team like the Seahawks from the Patriots. Starting off the season 1-1, one and one, how do we feel just about the game in general, what the Pats were able to do? They did come up short. Moral victories aside, how do we feel about this game? Zach, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm impressed with Cam so far. Cam and the offense minus the running game. Um I was excited to see how what they were going to do with Cam, and they're doing a lot of different gadget plays and stuff like that and letting Josh's creativity come to light. But you can't give up 35 points and expect to win games. Um, as good as Cam looked, Seattle's one of the best teams in the league, but you got to beat the best if you want to be the best. You can't give up 35 points and expect to go very far in the playoffs, especially when you get teams like Kansas City and Baltimore that you're going to have to go through eventually. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Uh, that was that was that was a tough game for the defense. Um, letting touchdowns on five of the nine Seahawks possessions, it's not great. But the Patriots' offense can't be left out of the blame either. I know Cam threw for four hundred, ran for another fifty, and the offense went through him, and he was great. But they only finished with three touchdowns on nine drives and they settled for field goals. They didn't, they missed one of two. Uh, just the inability to finish drives with touchdowns was the only reason they lost this game. And they were, and despite that, despite the fact that they, the Seahawks were able to convert for scores for six and the Patriots weren't, they still were one play and two yards away from winning that game on the road in Seattle, Sunday night, prime time. So, I'm I'm definitely impressed by what I saw, which I only saw I was able to watch the second half. Um, but yeah, if that's the, it looks like the defense from last year, where they're able to shut down the the not so good teams, and they crack when they go up against the good teams. And if that's the case, then looks like we have we're gonna just do 2019 all over again. Yeah, I mean I. Zach and Ryan both kind of hit the main points. I thought the offense was pretty good. Cam looks very healthy, right where he was when he was back in Carolina. 
Um, but the defense, just not good. I mean, I you have to tip your cap to Russell Wilson. You know, he's probably one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the entire league. And Seattle's offense is really good. They have good weapons, Lockett, decaf, really, really good weapons. But, I mean, you can't give up five touchdown passes in a game. You just, Gilmore you just can't. Gilmore Gilmore yeah. has, has been one of their worst players through the first two weeks on defense. He The first week, he had two bad penalties that extended drives. And then against Seattle, he was... He wasn't very good either. I mean, he's supposed to be locked down, you know, um, like he was last year, the depoy, and he's got to be better because the linebacking core and the front the front four, they're just not that good. I mean, they had so many people opt out, and Hightower, who's their leading linebacker. So the, the secondary is supposed to be carrying this team, and to give up five touchdown passes just says – the secondary didn't really do much. Some big all. plays there too yeah. in that game. Not just on touchdown plays. They were able to hit go over the top of the secondary yeah, from I time think, to time. I think it was I saw some stat. I might be wrong on this, but it was something along the lines of like this is only the third time in the Patriots defense under Bill Belichick that an opposition team was averaging over seven and a half yards per play during the game. Three times in twenty years. I mean Seattle's offense was moving when they had the ball. Yeah, I think uh, overall they have to improve a, a lot of things. The whole kicking scenario is just kind of a shit show right now. I, you know, they can't really do much better than Nick Folk, which is unfortunate. But also the one thing, Cam's interception was totally on him. You know, just telegraphed it, looked right away, stared down. I think it was a uh, bird. It was yeah, Demir Bird. So. Can't have stuff like that, but for Cam to attempt 44 passes and you know have a close to a 70% completion percentage, I'll take that any day of the week. Because healthy, we all know he's good. I just didn't know how accurate he was going to be, how much he was going to be put in situations where he was going to have to throw deeper. Edelman had a lot of deep, uh, deep and gritty receptions, obviously career high in uh, yards. So I, I don't know. The offense to me... After week one, I was still like, I don't know, is this just going to be run power the whole time with Cam? They still haven't figured out the running game in general other than Cam. Obviously, Sony Michelle, seven freaking attempts, 19 yards, garbage. Damian Harris, would love to have him out there, hopefully after week three once he's off the IR. But I think, you know, the offense will have that kind of question mark until we really know what the running game is. David Andrews, a uh, little bumped with his uh, thumb had some stuff, whatever, covering that up uh, at practice. So hopefully he's okay. Hopefully the offensive line can stay healthy. Because I think once you get Damian Harrison there and you can really rotate the guys in and out, like I think Jonathan was saying last week, you're really going to be able to see what the offense uh, is capable of and what their ceiling might be. Because obviously Cam, Cam has been the offense. He's literally been the offense. He had the most rushes again this week, second week in a row that he's done that. And that QB power run that, that they did at the end of the game, that was working all game long. And even when uh, his touchdown pass to Jakob Johnston, when he faked it, that wrinkle was great. Because if you can really sell that on teams and you can really use that to your benefit, they've never had that kind of play in their repertoire before. And if it's there now and that's how they're going to score primarily on the goal line, I'm all for it. I just hope it doesn't lead to Cam getting some, you know, just 
damage and wear and tear throughout the season. Because there's been seasons where he he hasn't been he hasn't been able to finish seasons because he just gets banged up and he does get abused a lot when he's running the ball a lot. So I just I hope it's sustainable. We'll see. Maybe trim those attempts down to like eight or nine for Cam. Maybe that's a, a little bit safer of a bet because you're not going to not run Cam. You have to run Cam at least a little bit. So what what they've done so far with him, I think, is great. That's exactly how you got to use him. But yeah, so far. I just don't know about the offense uh, long-term is what I'm trying to say. Defensively, that was tough. I, You know, you had that instant pick six with uh, McCourty. That was awesome. It's like, all right, free freebie, free seven points. That's not going to happen every game. That is very rare. So we'll see. We'll see where this team is at. That missed field goal by Folk at the end of the half really hurt because instead of being up by three points, you go into halftime all tied up. So who knows? That could have been a big difference maker. They ended up having to go for two points late in the game because they had that missed field goal. So on that two-point play, they got stuffed trying to run it with Cam. They did. And I was all for, in the chat, I was all for running with Cam when it was coming out of the last play of the game. I was like, run the play, run the play. But they just got stuffed on that in the two-point play. So, obviously, Pete Carroll figured something out, and they stuffed him again the next same thing on the I other just, side. Yeah. You got to think, like... Were they biting? Like, were they so sold on Cam running? Like, hey, just option out Jakob again or something. But again, that's that's tough because he got blown up on that play. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Regardless if he was going out, he got blown up. So, Belichick stood by it though when he did his weekly presser. He, you know, he didn't really have any questions about the play call. Obviously, after that reception, uh, I believe from Edelman, they let the clock run down a bunch instead of taking a timeout. He didn't really. I don't think he elaborated too much on that. That was questionable. Edelman also dropped the touch, the touchdown. He did in the, in the end zone. That would have been the amount of pop that would have gotten out of Patriots yeah. fans if he had caught that, or just if the Pats had won that game. Because oh, it, it it would have been special. And because Cam has been as good as he possibly could be thus far, I think, given when they got him on the team, the lack of preseason games. The lack of training camp reps, all of it, you know, it's a home run so far in terms of just Cam Newton in a vacuum on this team. But again, we'll see if he's going to be running at 11 plus, you know, times a game. It's going to be tough. But at least the offense looks like it's very capable, regardless of weapons. You know, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, and Demir Bird. And Oh, Did you say Jonathan's favorite player, Nikhil Harry, <laughs> who set another career high in catches and yards? Eight for seventy-two, Jonathan. What do you got to say? So, <laughs> what do you got to say? He's on. Ta- he's on target for over hundred catches this year. Now, now I I saw a, a, a certain burner account go off and send about thirty retweets uh, of Nikhil Harry going by. You're at least half of that because it was close to 75. You changing your tune? Huh? Are you on the train? Um, I'll tell you this. Enkiel, obviously Tom Brady hated the guy. Obviously he hated the guy. Cam is obviously willing to work with him more. They need him if they want to be successful this year. He's looked a lot better. That... That last try, he was quiet. I thought he was quiet for most of the game. He had a good catch where he almost got decapitated yep. in the first half. Yeah. Um, but he was pretty quiet. He was like 5 for 39 or something like that up until the last drive. And then the last drive, he had three catches, and they were like deeper catches. And it was the best drive he's ever had in his whole life by far. But he still, he has to be better at 
at breaking tackles for his size. He's still not good at getting separation or they ran a bubble screen or something with him. Like three of them. And he, like, Edelman was blocking the guy, and the guy that Edelman was blocking literally just reached his arm out, and do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And Ankeel literally just tripped and yeah. fell. And it, it should have gone for 15 to 20 yards, and it went for, like, four. There was two other times, too, where he just had one-on-one with a small cornerback in space. He's got to make that guy miss or just run him over. Yeah. He's, like, five inches taller than him, running the yeah. hell over. he's five <laughs> inches taller, and he has, like, 40 pounds. Yeah. And he just looks like he's just getting touched like Sony and just go down. Yeah. You should be able to run a fade or some sort of play where he gets a chance on a jump ball, box out the dude, and just moss him. But yeah. that was the that was the first game I think I've ever seen Enkale play where I thought they were better with him than without him. Any other game I think he's ever played, you could have got anyone on the practice squad and they could have done what he did. But on against Seattle, I thought he was – I'll give him like a B, B plus. I thought he was good, especially on the last drive. The last drive gave him an A. The rest of the game gave him like a C. But the last drive, he was really good. Um, it would have been nice if he just had a little bit more fight. I mean, if he had caught he caught that ball and got tackled at the one, you know, if he had pushed that into the end zone, I don't know if I would be here right now. I might have had to uh, bury myself in a grave and, hold on, and dig hold myself on. in. You want him to <laughs> extend for the end zone? No, I'm not when, saying when that. When last week he literally put it through the end zone when he tried the, to I'm not that. saying extend the ball. I'm saying push his body. I mean. I mean, he's thin. He, if every, he's, he's bigger dude. than every know, corner he's facing. I know, but, like, he's it's probably in the back of his mind, like, I better play I'm not it asking, safe. I'm not, this just is going to be a bad up. visual. This, yeah. He's saying hold the ball tight, but run Power through. Over. Right, I know, yeah. I just don't, like. He's the second biggest guy on the field besides Cam. He should be able to do that. I'm just saying, like, that was definitely, like. Maybe DK. Well, he wasn't. Well, um, yeah, yeah, when he's on the field. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, no, like, I, I know what you're saying. You're right. I just think, like, in the back of his mind. He's probably thinking of the play from last week, and like, yeah, I don't know. I would obviously, I would like for him to be able to just, just kind of bulldoze and get that one extra yard, that one extra step. But I think hopefully we see it if he can stay healthy and he can string together a few of these weeks where he's flirting with 100 yards, he's flirting with 10 catches. Well, I, I, that is the other thing is that he can't stay healthy. He was on the. He's well, been you on can, the you can't board. say yeah, that. It's thus been one, it was well, one year. I'm saying. He's been on the injury report for the first two weeks with a shoulder. Now he's back. Yes, yes. Now he's back on the injury report this week, not with a shoulder, but with an ankle injury. And he's probably going to play on Sunday. But I'm just saying, he has already has shoulder issues. Already has ankle issues. Did he have an injury designation going into last week? Yes, he was questionable. No. Yes. Once the game was going, he didn't have a game. Well, because that happens a lot. He had. You look around the league. He was questionable going into the game. Until Sunday, and then he took it away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. On game day, you see a lot of players where they're questionable going through the week, and then you get to game day, the injury designation is gone. But. So that. I'm just just telling you that his history, and he obviously has some type of injury. Like I said, one year. This. Well, I'm. That's his only. That's his all. His history. Well, the first two weeks year. he's played, so yes. you can't hold that on him right now. No, I'm saying that. Don't be surprised if he's banged up because he I won't. obviously is banged up. But thus far, Edelman's if he can, up. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say Edelman is Everyone's banged up to some. I'm level. just telling you that I don't be surprised if he misses games. I won't be surprised, but in general, from what we've seen thus far, you know, I have no issue with Nikhil Harry through two weeks. 2020 season, I don't have any any quips about him. I wouldn't say any issue. I mean, you, 
eight for seventy two. You you wanted to be better than that. You want him, yeah. He, he he should average more again, like with his body, like you guys have been saying. He should be able to muscle through and get a few more yards per catch there. Right. Uh, like this was a cute game. Yeah. But eight when he has eight catches, he's got to be up in one hundred twenty. Demir Bird was you know encouraging too to see him have very similar output with two less catches, but. Um, you know, I just don't know what kind of player he is yet, and I, I don't know what his ceiling is either because we haven't seen too much of him. Again, like we said with J.J. Taylor, he'd be a guy we'd be talking about in the preseason if we had those games, and we'd have more of an idea what kind of player he is. But with a tight end spot, do they need to do anything there? Because we haven't really seen anything from uh, both rookies, Keane and Asiasi. Ryan Izzo has done okay uh, so far, but is that a position that they need to take a look at at all, do you guys think, that the offense might need a little bit of a boost there? Or is it just kind of waiting for the rookies to get up to speed with everything? I mean, they had that one Gronk-like play, as you say. You know, uh, Cam was under center, fake to the running back, and then throw right down the middle to Izzo, and it looked like Brady to Gronk. But other than that, I mean, he just, they just don't really get looks. I don't know if they're not open. Or if Cam's just not looking for him because he's finding him to Bird and all these other guys. It'd be nice to have somebody over the middle, but yeah, got Edelman there. That's where Edelman patrols, over the middle. So right. he's kind of taking all those targets that used to be the tight ends. As long I, I feel like as long as these tight ends are good enough blocking, it it is if Harry and Edelman can carry it, then I don't think you really need the catches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they're a part of the passing attack. Yeah. I, I think this is the second straight year. Obviously, it's only two games in. But we saw it last year. They got phased out. And it seems to be continuing this year. Where I, I didn't even know our tight ends. Like I haven't heard their names I only knew called Izzo. once. Yeah. Like, I, obviously, yeah. Izzo played last year. But like I haven't heard them on game casts no. once. Like no. Maybe I missed it when it happened. But like I feel like you, you never... We're, you're not seeing it. It's just... So that's fine. If if we're going to run the passing attack through our wide receivers and our running backs, mainly James White, then that's fine. That's fine. But the tight ends, then you do need to incorporate those those plays, like Zach's saying, where you got to be able to mix it up a little bit and keep the the defense alert to it, so that they're not just oh tight end in the game, they're just blocking. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, Dan, you. You said that you think the Patriots need to upgrade or, you know, do something about the tight end. I mean, I think they already did. They invested two third-round picks in, in two tight ends in the draft. And if they pop, they pop. If they don't, they don't. But they tried to help the position a little bit. I mean, tight end is a position where you don't usually see, you know, rookies don't usually pop that well at the tight end position. Um, you normally see them come along. Unless you're like a all-time type tight end talent, but I think they already tried to address the tight end. And if Asiasi and Keen are trash, they're trash. But and then they go back into the draft again next year and draft a tight end. I think they're also really hoping that Ken Keel's big body is going to turn out kind of like a tight end ish. Yeah. And take some of those big throws that. Yeah. Who do you speak Gronk type things? And I like yeah. you mentioned Jameer Bird. I I thought Jameer Bird played played well on, uh, yeah. on Sunday. They ran those. He's a speedster, so, you know, if you're going to, if their top two cornerbacks are going to be on Edelman and Enkiel, and you got him on a third guy that maybe isn't the fastest or, you know, 
is scared getting beat deep for the deep ball, and they ran those comebacks with him. I mean, that one-on-one coverage for a speedster, if he's going to catch it and Cam's going to put it there, it's probably going to be there quite a bit. Yeah. They just got to get, the like you said, Dan, you got you got to get the running backs going in the running game. It can't be just Cam Newton no. uh, leading the rushing attack game in and game out. That's not going to work. That's not, that's not a long-term successful play. At some point, it, teams are just going to stack the box on Cam and – you just can't have seven for nineteen stat lines from your starting running back. That's that's not gonna do it. Burke had a nice six for two. <laughs> just I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they've got to get the running backs more involved in the yeah. in the ground game. I mean, we know Michelle might be might be the worst running back I've ever seen when you need to pick up a yard or whatever. And obviously, as we've seen as well. If they need a yard right now, it's 100%. They're not even putting a running back in. It's literally Cam and the fullback. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can get – I mean, the amount of times you need one yard during an NFL football game is is sneaky quite a bit. And I don't think they can get away with running Cam, you know, every single time for 16 games when they need one yard because you just take such a beating on the body. So they need I, – I would assume that they're going to hope Harris is their RB1 – going forward and he's a bigger ish body i think so throw him in at the goal line or throw him in on a third and one because that that at least adds another dimension to your game because when they put cam in with the fullback like you've said besides that little toss they had to johnson i mean everyone knows they're running with cam i don't i don't hate the goal line cam carries obviously if you keep doing it over and over and over again it'll get predictable but they've been working very well, except for those two plays in the Seattle game. Except when you need the most. Yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> very unfortunate. But it's it's been working, and they just gotta. It just. But if that's the only thing that's working on the ground, teams are gonna catch up to that, and hone in on that. And I don't think that's gonna be good down the road. Yeah. One more positive thing I want to spin on. Just that game in general was in it. I'm sorry. Spin cycle, baby. Uh, Only two penalties committed by the Patriots. So that's nothing but positive right there. Yeah, they had three last week, right? Yeah, two to the Seahawks, like nine. I believe the Seahawks had nine penalties. If you're that disciplined, that is a huge plus because despite all the, you know, uh, opt outs between Chung, Hightower, and everyone else, like, if nothing, you're disciplined that can get you places too because then it's all about execution. You're not going to get as many plays called back. You're not going to be shooting yourself in the feet too many times. So overall, like I think that's huge too. You know, if you're right, Ryan on that three, that's five combined penalties in the first two weeks. Huge, absolutely massive, especially against a team like the Seahawks where they're crazy talented offensively. They have one of the best quarterbacks in football. And yeah, that's just, that's part of the reason why you were also in that game. It was just your serious discipline, uh, offensive line, not making mistakes as well. So really, really like that. Uh, I want to, if we're all good here on the Pats uh, and Seahawks, want to highlight uh, just a couple week two games um, that just notable for on field, on the, off the field. Mine's both. Uh, Seahawks and Chargers. Justin Herbert gets the start for the Chargers. To Rod- Chiefs. Chiefs. Chargers. Chiefs and Chargers. I'm stupid. Seahawks don't play in every game, Dad. I'm stupid. See, uh, Chiefs and Chargers. Justin Herbert gets the debut start. 
to Rod Taylor has to sit. Turns out they were trying to inject him uh, with a shot to help out his ribs, and the doctor punctured his lung. <sighs> punctured his lung. The man, the man's job could be at stake. It could be gone forever. Who knows? But Justin Herbert gets the start, and he looked great. He looked really, really good. They lose in overtime, 23-20 to 20 to the Chiefs. But if you're the Chargers, you got to be, like, really happy that Justin Herbert looks legit. Like, you just get thrown in the fire like that out of nowhere. That could have gone really, really, really shitty, really fast. But instead, he looks legit, and I feel bad for Terod Taylor because that is tough. That's a tough way to have to miss out on a game, especially this early in the season. That kind of a game, too, divisional opponent. It's the Chiefs. That sucks. It's a tough way to lose your starting job. Yeah. I know they'll probably give him a chance, but if Herbert keeps playing like that, yeah, and he keeps getting games. That's what I'm saying. Because it, it doesn't look like Tyrod's going to be able to play this week. No, I think they already ruled him out. It's the man's so job is at stake. If Herbert puts up another good game or two in a row, they're just going to ride him. And that's a... Lost to lose him. your starting Lost job... Incoming. I mean, we all thought at some point, I think that Herbert was going yeah. to take over, but to lose it through no fault of his own, you, you kind of have to feel a little bad for the man. He's been a solid quarterback in the league, too. Yeah. He, like, lost so out his job did, to yeah. Baker when they drafted him one overall. Loses his job to Josh Allen. <laughs> and, and now he's he's losing it to Herbert. Like, this dude has had the worst luck you ever. could possibly have. <laughs> like, you can't make that up. Your lung gets punctured before the game because you're working through a ribbit injury, so you're getting a shot to help that said injury, and they puncture your freaking lung. The trainer must have the trainer must have been playing fantasy. The other guy, the other oh. guy had Tyron, <laughs> and he's like, nope, can't do it. Yeah, no, I, I got Herbert. I know this kid's legit. I need him today. I need him. That must be a deep league. Mm-hmm. Could be a deep league. Uh-huh. Sign Tyron. Two quarterback league. league. Two, <laughs> quarter, two quarterback Super league. flex. <laughs> oh, seriously. So, yeah, that's... That's a game I just think, especially with the, the Tyrod stuff, I mean, you, you just can't write that shit. You, you can't make it up. Chiefs were losing for the majority yeah. of that game, yeah. right? Herbert, yeah, Herbert was, was great. I mean, just thrown into the fire and absolutely hit the ground running. So, kudos to him. You talk about the Falcons? Oh. oh. Yes. Yes. Let's when is that. Dan Quinn going to get fired? No. He, I, it should have been This guy two years is ago. trash. He must have a lot of secrets. <laughs> that was the most baffling onside kick I've ever seen. This ball is just rolling and no like sideways and the Falcons players are just looking at it. They're when they're like oh they're like letting it go the ten yards. I'm like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> just jump on it. <sighs> I've, nev- I've never seen a special teams unit more afraid of the football. They, they had no idea what to do. Oh. They were just rattled. They were so shook. It was like they were playing an imaginary game of hot potato, and they weren't sure if they had lost her yet, and so they were just like, no, oh, I want it. I don't want it. Atlanta, I don't want it. Atlanta money line was so close, bro. Oh, oh, man. Never in doubt that they were going to lose Atlanta money line was there for the taking, and they let the jaws of defeat snatch them. That's why we took four snatch and a half. The from That's them. why we took the points. Oh, just, just brutal, man. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, and, that, that game was <laughs> disgusting. They were up so and they're twenty something to nothing yeah. to start. Twenty nine ten at half. They're up 
two or three scores going into the fourth. Oh, yeah. How do you do that? Pretty sure the the stat that they're like the, the only team to do this is like I believe if you score thirty nine points or more, no team has lost scoring thirty nine points or more without committing a turnover, and the Falcons are the only team. To do that. I think it was like 458 no. Something. Yeah, something was, in the mid four hundred. Something ridiculous like that. Oh, that is pinnacle Falcons. That is what you get when you keep Dan Quinn and you don't learn from your damn mistakes. Should we just call it a Dan Quinn special now? Yeah. DQ special. DQ blizzard <laughs> right there. That's what that was. Sir. Oh. <laughs> I was so pumped for Atlanta money line. Like, I was cheesing like for so long, and then all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh no, what? they're they're gonna do the thing. They're, they're running the play." Um, if I don't, if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna throw another one in there as well. Obviously, we're gonna be following the Buccaneers uh, throughout the season as well in general, just because of Brady being there in general. Gronk, Gronk, like we said last week, Jonathan, you pointed out, he is absolutely useless. He stinks. He recovered an onside kick, though. Yeah, that is that is the most he has done for that Tampa Bay team. He recovered an onside kick. They beat the Panthers 31-17, and it almost went the other way there uh, with the Panthers. CMC goes down for four to six weeks, I believe, so that's a tough loss. Saquon tears his ACL for the Giants. Just bodies were dropping in week two. The injuries that piled up in week two were out of this world. That Garoppolo. Met, that MetLife turf. MetLife turf is trash. I think, what, three 49ers tore their ACLs? Yeah, yeah Solomon Thomas, Joey Bosa. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. And, I uh, think that was it. But Coleman and Raheem Moser both oh, got Moster hurt. Oh, Moser got hurt, too. Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo. got hurt. Yeah. That Kittle's still hurt. Yeah. He's going to play this week, it looks like. But they have nothing. They got my guy Nick Mullen, though. They, 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 yeah. Ox, Ox, Ox. And they got, they got Jared McKinnon, too. Yeah, oh. Jet. Jared McKinnon, it, oh, he's, he's doomed. That knee is toast. Nah. Especially playing I'm on that riding. turf. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I'm riding yeah. San Francisco is pissed. They have to play there two weeks in a row. I'm riding. I would not be surprised if Kittle didn't play this week. Yeah, just did. If they were smart. Because they have like four home games coming up in a row after that. Yeah. So they'd get him back to the grass, get away from that turf. They're trying to screw my team so that Jonathan gets to make so. fun of me. I guess so. Dude, they got a Jonathan <laughs> Bias. They do have a Jonathan uh, Bias. I got, I got two teams that I want to poke fun at. One is the worst team in the league, and that's the New York Jets. They're so bad. I mean, they they have to be the worst team in the league. Adam Gase has to be. We, we're hating on Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn and Adam Gase have to be the two worst coaches in the league. They are so bad. I mean, they, they gave up a third and 37 <laughs> run. Yeah, for 55 yards. Third and 37, <laughs> and they ran it, and the Jets let it up. Yeah. First play of the game for the score. From scrimmage for the yep. 49ers, 80-yard touchdown. 80-yard, they're so <laughs> bad. Start the game. And then the second team, Zach actually mentioned, has to be the biggest disappointment, I think, so far in the NFL. I mean, in our pick across the board was the Vikings to pick the to win the NFC North. Ooh. And Kirk Cousins, man, he looks like Super trash. Good. They got blown like out week fly. one. They got blown out week two. They stink. Ah, they still have a lot of talent. And maybe they can play together, but man, they 
stink. They lost a bunch of their secondary going into this year. They lose Stephon Diggs. Thielen's getting, you know, the main attention now. There's only so much you can do with with that kind of offense, and Kirk Cousins isn't – he's just not playing well, and their defense is not good. I, I literally thought they were – if not a lock to win that division – I thought they were at least like going to be neck and neck with Green Bay all year, and so far they are just, hey, Green Bay, we don't want this. All you, go for it. Uh, Green Bay and the Bears. Green Bay, yeah. The Bears are not. The Bears are frauds. 2-0. 2-0 is 2-0. 2-0, baby. 2-0 is 2-0. I, I, I want to call them pretenders, but the last time I said that, last year, the team, went to, to the, Super Bowl. the team went to the Super Bowl, so I really don't want to do that again. couple game managers, Mitch uh, and Jimmy. But He's gonna get to Super Bowl. Yeah. So the only saving grace I will give the Minnesota Vikings is that last year, that when they started two and two or whatever it was, their passing attack was dreadful. They were averaging similar numbers passing. It was like 150 yards a game, and they had, they were lights out rushing the ball. They're doing solid rushing the ball, I believe, still this year. But it, they're not even. They can't even. They can't even compete in games. They're so one-dimensional. Dude, yeah, it's it's. I don't know what's going on with them. We said this last year, and then they they figured it out and made the playoffs. Maybe they'll do it again, but you can't keep getting off to these terrible starts, these slow starts on offense, and expect uh, to figure it out. Um, you probably want to get that figured out. So, if you're the Minnesota Vikings. So, do we got anything else we want to touch on for week two? Um, um, yeah, I'm all good, but. Just real quick, I mean, you brought him up already. Uh, Green Bay, go, dropping forty again on another divisional opponent. I don't like that. Uh, I don't care they look for like it. the they look like the best team in the NFC. They, that Aaron offense, Jones is disgusting. That offense is clicking. That is the opposite of the Minnesota Vikings. That that I mean, the defense is is doing a solid job. Not nothing crazy, but the way that offense is playing right now, and they could. They could fizzle out, but the way they're playing right now, man, I don't, I don't want to face that team right now. I don't want to face it. Aaron Rodgers is back to being a bad man. I, he's super triggered over uh, Jordan uh, Love, so you know, it's just bound to happen. I mean, hopefully, I think that's probably what lit a fire under his ass. He probably got pissed. Like they used a first rounder on a quarterback when I clearly could use like a weapon or two or like I want one at least that man is playing like I ain't going nowhere well the last time that Green Bay did that it worked out pretty good when they drafted it, Rodgers to it, it, it worked it, Zach you're not wrong I mean I would argue they should have more than one Super Bowl but you know that's an argument for a different day uh, but one more but one more team my Raiders. Oh, but they got a big match. Huge, huge win. Saints are trash, the Saints. bro. Drew Brees is washed yeah, he up. Is. Yeah, he, is. he looked slow. I don't care, no Michael Thomas. He did not look good at all. He was missing open throws. People picking mortal locks on the Saints. Oh, couldn't be me. Ugh. Never in doubt for my Raiders. <laughs> Two and zero. Oh. Ugh. Team of Destiny. Big matchup this week. Big Huge matchup. Thought. I don't. They're not gonna win this week. <laughs> well, why don't we uh, get to this week then? Uh, so Pat's gonna play host to the Raiders, and in theory, for me, I they should win this game. Patriots should win this game. 
the Raiders are no slouch. I mean, I don't think the Saints, personally, uh, I said on this pod when we did our uh, predictions, I had them missing the playoffs, mainly because I got my Bears making the playoffs. But also, the Saints dropping uh, a 10-point loss to the Raiders. I mean, I don't think the Raiders are a slouch. I don't think they're bad. I, they have a great running game and Josh Jacobs. Uh, Darren Waller's no slouch either. Derek Carr, I'm very iffy on. He's never been the same since he tore his ACL when he literally looked like he was coming onto the scene. He was going to win MVP that Yeah, just a couple of years ago. I mean, if he's right, he's not a bad quarterback whatsoever. He's very competent, and if they can figure out uh, you know, the offense there, running-wise, they're probably going to run all over the Patriots. So there's that. But I think the Patriots end up winning this one against the Raiders. Uh, I don't see them dropping a 1-2, and two, and I think they're going to still be able to do a lot of that cam type of running until week four when Damian Harris comes off the IR. He's got one more week to serve there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything. It's not going to be like a 21-11 to 11 like the Dolphins. Probably be down to like a field goal or, uh, or just one score. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things that are going in the Patriots' favor this week. One, you have a left coast team oh coming east God. for a 1 o'clock game. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go last week? Two. Yeah, how'd that go for your uh, Eagles? Not good. Yeah. <laughs> Two, the Raiders are on a, no matter what, the Raiders are on a short week, which is uh, that's, that's good. That's math. Which it's is good. Math. Which is good for the Patriots. And three, I think Belichick should be able to game plan for him because I they really only have, they have cars, okay. They have Jacobs, who's really good, and Waller, who's really good. And then after that, last their Monday night game, targets, okay. Darren Waller, 16 targets. Next highest in on the Raiders receiving in targets, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, and Henry Ruggs tied for three targets. All right, talk about feeding a man. My God. I think that Belichick's a good enough coach to game plan for that. I mean, I I don't think anyone can beat them besides Jacobs and, and Wall. I, feel I mean, like maybe they can yeah. beat the Patriots with those two because they do have a very good offensive line. But I just think the Patriots should be able to scheme it. Throw throw Duggar uh, or Jawan Williams on uh, on Waller, and I think you know you should be able to neutralize them a little bit. They're gonna run all over you. It's just a matter of you know being able to cover in the secondary, you know, because they're not gonna get a bunch of sacks on on Carr. But if they can cover well, he he's not gonna beat you with his arm against this secondary. No, I have enough faith in the Patriots secondary that they're gonna be able to do enough there where Carr's not going to be able to do too much damage. It's going to be mostly Jacobs on the ground. Yeah, he might he might dominate. <laughs> he might dominate. I'm, I'm worried about that, to be Zag, honest. Yeah, but Zach, you, you got a Raiders bias. No, I just told you I don't think they're going to win. <laughs> Still, though, I mean, we all know you're a big Raiders guy. I am a big Raiders guy, just like your crappy one-on-one box. Into Bears. My, my Browns are one-on-one, too, though. My 2 no Bears. <laughs> what? You got a problem with that? Kid loves the bees. Brown you got a problem Bears, with Browns, that? Bears, Bucks. Browns, Bears, Bucks. Are you back on the Browns, by the way, officially? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. No, no, we're all good. We're, all right. all good. we're fine. One week in, one week out. I just wanted to make sure. So what yeah. happens when they lose to the Washington football team? They're not losing to the football team, bro. Okay. They're home. <laughs> They're not losing to the football team at home at 1 o'clock. It's not happening. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe if he throws the ball to my guy Juice, we'll be all right. Nah, nah, nah. nah. I don't have Jarvis Landry in fantasy this year, so he's not going to throw to him. He's just going to go all Odell and Chubb. Chubb is going to have himself. Please, Odell. No, Chubb's done. Chubb's done. His time's over. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. It is Kareem Hunt's team. 
We know, love to hear that. You know, we love to hear. We that. do. So, is, <clears throat> do you guys think this game is going to be more telling for the Raiders or for the Patriots? The Pats. Pats. Last week they got dominated through the air. This week it's going to be a lot of see if they can stop the, one of the best running backs in the league yeah. with a great offensive line. And if they get dominated on the ground too, man, then I'm, I'm out. I think it's also the past because I think last week was a pleasant surprise. I don't think a lot of people – I think a lot of people thought the game might be competitive, but I don't think a lot of people thought that they were going to win. The smart least. people thought they were going to win. Um, but I, big game for the past because the Raiders, if they lose, they can chuck it up to the reasons that I just told you, short week, travel. <laughs> this – Pressure's on Patriots this week. I don't know. I think I maybe I'm playing devil's advocate here, but I really think you can make the case that this is going to be more telling for the Raiders because if they come off a, a win over the Saints and then they follow it up with a win over the Patriots, no matter how you look at the Patriots, that's two back-to-back very impressive wins. Three and zero start for them. That's I'm not saying that they are a definite contender if they beat the Pats this week, but that that is. You got to start taking Flirting, them serious. With it. You definitely got to start taking them serious if they rack up those two wins back to back. I know you love to hear that. You're just gobbling that up, but I gotta, I gotta speak the truth yeah. here. Well, I do remember the Raiders did start off with a good record last year, and that is down true. Stretch, so we could just be, that just could be the Raiders. They could know. easily be two and three after five weeks when they play the Pats, then the Bills, then the Chiefs. <laughs> But they could also be 4-1 and one if they lose the Chiefs. <laughs> True. I think it, it, it's going to tell more about the Patriots because I still think like this, the first four to five weeks are really just about the progression of the offense, Cam getting more and more comfortable as he goes along. Obviously, he looked pretty comfortable on Sunday night. Uh, and just seeing where that ceiling is for the offense. How good can they be? You know, What are they on a consistent basis? What should we expect? That's going to be cemented more and more over the next few weeks, and I think, you know, that's just telling overall for what 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 kind of team you have. Are you an actual contender? And you're you're playing the Raiders. I'm not saying they're bad. They're what not. Are you, what are you saying there? I think you're saying no, something. No, no, no. Yeah, you're, you're saying, saying no, something. Let me finish. Something. Let me finish my point. Okay, bring They're it. playing the Raiders, but they also play a lot of other better teams. We all know they have the toughest schedule in the league this year. So this is one of those teams where you need this win. Because you're going to lose, you're going to drop games to teams like uh, Kansas City or Baltimore, have you, whoever. You're, you know, you're not going to beat some of these elite teams. You came up just short against the Seahawks. Uh, so a game like this, you're home and you're playing the Raiders, okay? It's a game that you really need to have. Two and one versus a one and two swing while you're going into a tougher part of your schedule coming up. Your division has gotten better in terms of the Bills. They're much more of a threat. They've becoming more of a threat over the past few years. And I think the defense, too, needs to have a bounce-back week and kind of get their, get a few, see if they can get a few footholds um, and figure a few things out. Because, again, the run game is definitely going to hurt them here. They're going to get hurt by the run game. Let's just see if they can minimize the damage, and I think that's a huge reason why overall it, it is. It, it, it's a big game for both teams, obviously, but the Pats a little bit more It's so. a huge game if you think they're going to go 12-4. Twelve and four train. I mean, hop on. That's I mean, a, they it's have a must to win. There's it's literally a must win. there's <laughs> so much room on this twelve and four train. I like I could not even tell you how much room there is. Like, I could fit two to three dozen heads on this freaking bandwagon. If y'all want to get on, free admission. 
I'm not Whoa. charging you anything. Free? I'll give you some popcorn if you like while we watch this 12 and 4 train roll on through. Uh, all I'm going to say is your reasoning for why it's more important for the Patriots, you can flip that around and use the same exact reasoning for the Raiders, and Zach gave you exactly the three reasons why. You can, but also the Raiders... You know, like. So what happens if the Raiders beat the Patriots, beat the Bills, and they walk into that game against the Chiefs, and they play them competitively, and they maybe they lose it like by a touchdown? Well, then in hindsight, yeah, it is the Raiders, but I'm telling you right now... So then it's not just the Raiders, it's the Raiders. Exactly, but... You're still just trying to downplay them. I'm at this moment. I am downplaying them relative to the rest of the Patriots' schedule, the rest of the, of the bigger, tougher, better teams yeah. that they're going to be playing. I don't. I, I I understand the point you're making, but the to argue that is why to argue why that makes it more this this game more important for the Patriots over the Raiders when you can literally say the same thing for the Raiders doesn't make any sense. You can, but also this is a completely different Patriots team that is brand new to not just us, but the organization in general, the league. So I I just I see it as a game that's more important for the Pats. Mainly, you know, again, I outlined how the offense is getting their feet settled. The defense needs to have a bounce back week. And like Cam has been great thus far for the first two games, but it's all about making that happen week after week and not being the reason why you lose but you know, always being an asset and always being one of the main reasons why you win and thus far he is the main reason why they are one and one so we'll see if he can continue that in week three but again it is definitely a huge game for the Raiders like you said they win this they end up going four and one in the over a five-week stretch look out because Derek Carr has done it before I think we're all, we've all been kind of waiting for him to figure that, that whole thing out again after he tore his ACL, and so far he hasn't been able to do it, but he has a little bit more around him now with the coach that gets it. So, yeah, huge game. Huge game for both teams. Absolutely. Um, if we'd like, we can get into uh, the rest of the slate and our mortal locks as well. Kind of just go hand in hand right there. Um, I don't know who wants to start off with mortal locks, but... Uh, I believe we can go over the records here. Uh, I'm 2-0. Zach, I believe you are 0-2. <laughs> Tough start for Zach. Uh, Jonathan is 1-1. One and, one, and Ryan, you are 1-1 one one as well. Uh, so, interesting start. You know, we got, got each flavor going on here. So, uh, I guess I can start us off with Immortal Walks because, I mean, I might as well just go 3-0, right, guys? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, what are we betting, Dan? What are we betting? So this one, I thought about doing two this week because I kind of am in love with the board, but I am not. I can tell you right now, I am not in love with the board this week. Well, that's a real shame, Ryan. It is. I mean, I love the board. So you're in love with the board every week. <laughs> you're not wrong. San Francisco minus three and a half against the New York Giants. You can still the take New York him. Giants are so bad, Fade especially him. now that they Fade have. Him. Saquon is out for the year. Now, I like Danny Dimes, but you just lost your freaking bell cow, one of the best in the league, and you're going against a banged-up 49ers team, albeit, I'll give you that, and they're on the road, but come on, the Giants, I am not betting uh, against the Niners in this game. Minus 2.5, lock it up, seal it up, 3-0, baby, undefeated. Just take my picks. Take my picks. They're literally free. 
I mean, Dan, that that was literally going to be my moral law. Because well, our, we love the 49ers. Oh, this shut is, your mouth. This is no, easy. Do not, do not talk about my 49ers <laughs> like that. This is easy money this week against the Giants. The Giants, like you said, Saquon's out. Also, Sterling Shepard is out. He's one of their best receivers. Nicky Mullins going to carry our 49ers to the victory, at least a touchdown game. This is easy money this week. You saw what they did last week against the Jets. They stayed in New York all week. They got some New York pizza, whatever. They're coming out on Sunday. They're cooking. And because we're sharing a mortal lock, I will add a special teaser mortal lock that is tonight's game, the over 49. Take the over in the Jags-Dolphins over 49 tonight. I'm giving you money, even though this won't be released until this game. that game's over. <laughs> Take the over in tonight's game. Two trash defenses, two good-ish offenses if, if the right fist magic shows up. Over. Points, points, points tonight. Is that, going, is that going on the board? That's on the board, yeah. Oh, I'm going to try to... That's a, that's a double we're done, oh. so. Ooh. Give me the overs tonight. Over 49. Double mortal log for Jonathan. Love to see it. First one of the year from anyone that they've done too. Uh, should we kick it to Ryan? Yeah, I'll, I'll go next. Yeah, what do we got here, big boy? Like I said, I don't like this board whatsoever. Um, I bet your random number generator likes the board. It <laughs> always loves the board, Dan. It always does. But we're not breaking it out just yet. Thank you. Uh, I like the Washington football team plus seven and a half against the Browns. The Browns haven't covered in either of their games this year. They couldn't cover against the Cincinnati Bengals. You think they're going to cover against the Washington football team? The Washington football team gets more points to cover than the Bengals did? Give me that. Give me Washington plus seven and a half. There's no way Baker wins this game by more than a touchdown. Doubt it. Uh, don't love that one. But my pick's also going to come from tonight's game. Uh, Jacksonville, minus three and a half. Mortal lock of this century. Miami is garbage. Until they put Tua in, they are just garbage. And their secondary is trash. Gardner Minshew completing like 76% of his passes this year. It's going to be an absolute rout tonight three and a half is not nearly enough it should be at least a touchdown how do you feel about the over uh yeah i like it okay good ride that over baby over train over train choo choo <laughs> it's life's too short to bet the under man <laughs> what the over train choo choo i've got one more mortal walk to put in <laughs> okay guys fade ryan so this one is like a no-brainer. I honestly don't even know how I didn't include this. I should have included this to begin with. Um, so I really love the home team here. Cleveland Browns <laughs> hosting the Washington football team. Minus seven and a half. Take it to the absolute effing bank. My guy Baker coming out party with Austin Hooper. Kareem Hunt going to eat. That man is just getting his beak wet. I'm telling you right now. Browns minus seven and a half hosting the Washington football team. They're just, they're not ready. The football team, they're, they're not ready. They're not going to cover the spread. 1 p.m. start, book it, mark your calendars, and throw whatever the hell you want on it. Make a 4 for 4 bet. Yeah, make a I, want, fucking, I want a board bet make, here. Yeah, put it on the effing board. You, on the board, what do you want, burrito? 4 for 4? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want from me? What, what do you want to give me? Burrito. 
Good. On the board. Stop other? making board bets every week. I said what I said. What was your other one? No, I get to because I beat Jonathan yeah. in last <laughs> week's board bet. My Rams <laughs> beat his. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's at least our Rams, if not I my Rams. Ryan's Rams beat your Eagles. They're the not Eagles my Eagles anymore. The Eagles yeah, oh, so I disowned them. No, I kicked them out no, of my house. The Eagles are so. They're living bad. on the street now. They yeah. are. Terrible. Joe Burrow gonna go in this week and win. Jalen Hurts gonna be QB Joe Burrow gonna go in this week and beat the Eagles. Ooh, ooh, I kind of like that pick. I kind of want a four for four him here. Do it. I kind of want two four bets for Ryan. All right, all right, Ryan. Let's do it. Jesus, what has happened to us? We're we're just degenerate food gamblers now. Yep. I mean, I, I'm not saying I don't like it. I kind of love it. You still owe me two, two burritos. I, I so did Nitsy owes me a burrito, too. Hope, bro, <laughs> let me know when you want to cash it in, and I'll deliver it to you. I, I'll I, door I, dash. You back. We'll, we'll door dash guy. Like, I, I owe you a 4-4 after last week. Yes. Thank you. John's going to owe me a 4-4 after the Sunday. So, for what? Most likely. Bucks, Broncos. Oh, I don't mind that. I they like got a good, they got a good D, and Brady still kind of trash. Sutton's gone for the year. They have no passing game. Drew Locke's still hurt. Nah, Jerry Judy's kind of good. They got no fan. Hawks, Hawks, Hawks. Jerry Judy's also hurt. He's playing. They got Melvin Gordon. He's pretty good. He's nasty. I love him. He'll go off. <laughs> I don't know about go fantasy, off, but he might get like he might get like fourteen fantasy points. That is uh, an audience member from the rooftop. Yeah. So oh, that like, audience member who shall remain nameless also said that Demir Bird will be flex worthy sooner rather than later. I said by the end of the year. Which is sooner rather. Oh, than how later. is that po- by the end of the year? That would be so he'd be a fancy flex next year. I'm a no, little confused by, the end by of that. Year, he will be in the flex category, so he won't be a wide receiver three. He'll be a flex. Do you understand how that works? Yeah, we get it. Well, yeah. It's barely an upgrade. Whatever. All right, great. All right, Dan, start us off with the fantasy eleven hate. You know, this is one of my favorite segments that we do, besides mortal walks. Cause like you just get to kind of like vent and kind of like really just let out your heart and your soul on whatever the shitty shit happened to you or someone else that you want to laugh about. I want to give some fancy love to someone that I don't own. I want to give some fancy love to Dak Prescott uh, and the 39 bomb that he put up, or 40 burger, close to it, yeah, it was that he put up on the freaking Falcons. And I know, like, they had to come back. They had to, they had to air it out. Obviously, he's going to put up numbers if they do end up coming back, and they did. But good Lord. I mean, good Lord. Out of nowhere, basically a 40 burger from Dak Prescott. And I'm not a big Dak guy. I, like, personally, I I don't know. I just I don't see him being a, uh, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, at least with the Cowboys. But, man, that was absolutely impressive. The Falcons aren't some juggernaut defensively, but come on. They were down huge, and they did something that no other team has done to uh, whatever, with that kind of lead, without letting up any turnovers. Just impressive all around. So Dak Prescott gets my fantasy love. I, I want to clear something up here about Dak. Yeah. So I drafted him, fantasy flex. Kind, no, kind no. I, I really wanted Kyler, and Mike Barry took him right before me, and I panicked, and I just took Dak because I was all set on quarterback there. 
didn't even really want Dak. I sat down. I told Jonathan after that I panicked after the draft. I do remember that, yeah. And I was like, I, I, I hate my, my team. Picked, huh? And I didn't mean to pick Dak. And then he just goes and wins me the week against Merguis. Tough scene, Merguis. He's probably your fantasy team. <laughs> Sorry. Wherever you are, Merguis. Wherever you are, Merguis. Across the street with the pipe, whatever. Um, but my fantasy love for this upcoming weekend will be Tyler Boyd. A.J. Green going to get shadowed by Darius Slay against the Eagles. And, of course, you guys know I like Cincy, so my Joe Burrow going to go off. Tyler Boyd going to have a huge weekend. All right. All right. I like it. I'm going to stay on the Tyler train, except my fantasy love this week is Tyler Lockett. I'm expecting wide receiver one production from Tyler Lockett this week. Um, As you saw last week, the Cowboys defense – is atrocious against the pass. Um, you saw a shifty, smaller wide receiver in Calvin Ridley completely torch them. I would say Calvin Ridley and Tyler Lockett are are very similar type of players. Uh, and I expect the same thing from Tyler Lockett this week. The Cowboys played well against the big, uh, big wide receiver in Julio Jones, and they let the shifty, smaller guy cook them. I think the Cowboys are going to play well against Decaf this weekend, and the shifty, smaller guy, Tyler Lockett, is just going to torch them up. Love me some Tyler Lockett this week. My fantasy love this week is for Joshua Kelly, the Chargers running back. He's technically the backup running back, but he has been he's been a startable, usable fantasy player. He's got as many carries through two weeks as a healthy Austin Eckler, and he's going up against the most fantasy-friendly defense for running backs in the Carolina Panthers. I think he's a, a great flex play this week, and he, if he finds the end zone, RB2. I hate that guy. <laughs> I have so much Austin Eckler stock, and Joshua Kelly's killing me. Eckler's still fine, but nah, he's killing me. I hate Joshua Jake. Joshua, whatever. Joshua <laughs> Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> Too many Joshes. Oh, jeez. Well, with love, there comes hate. With hate, there comes love. But now we are on to the hate. And this week, I absolutely, 1,000% hate Cole Beasley. Do not even sniff a Buffalo wide receiver, unless you have Diggs or whatever. but Or unless you have Singletary. You know, he, I think he's going to pop off this week, Loki. Um, but Cole... <laughs> Wait, so you just, like, name half the people and then, like, okay. Well, no, I'm... Don't I'm, touch one, but then you name and then, like, half them are okay. Well... Singletary, you know, he'll be running the ball, hopefully, mostly. So, Zach Moss, hopefully, going to maybe share some of the uh, of the workload there. That'd be lovely. But Cole Beasley, I was always high on him last year. He was, like, my fantasy love a couple of times. And he had a few really decent weeks. And he can be a nice little flex guy here and there, especially if you have two flexes. But this week, I just don't see him really producing too much. I think the Rams secondary is pretty good overall and I just don't see Cole Beasley doing too much I don't see Josh Allen I feel like Josh Allen is going to use Stefan Diggs as like a freaking binky this week and you know, Cole Beasley's not going to really get much action I I mean I agree with you jo- Josh Allen is my hate oh uh, the Rams secondary is very good and they're going to make I don't think Josh Allen's going to have too great of a day this weekend the Rams I think are going to win that game Agreed. Very much agreed, sir. Ryan, fantasy hate. What do we got? 
my fantasy hate this week is for the Giants running backs. So, specifically Deion Lewis. Uh, he, he was a hot waiver wire ad this week, and I'm sure Devontae Freeman was as well after Saquon went down with his torn ACL. Uh, but Deion Lewis had 10 carries for 20 yards and a touchdown last week, and then he had four catches for 36 yards. You have no idea how much action Devonta Freeman is going to see this weekend. Uh, if he doesn't dress, then Deion Lewis could be a decent play. But if Freeman plays, I want no business of the, I can't I can't start either of them because I don't know what the I don't know what the split is going to be for either of them. I don't know who's getting going to get the targets. I don't know who's going to get the carries. I want no part of the Giants' backfield this week. All right, my fantasy hate this week is um, Todd Gurley, running back for the Atlanta Falcons. He's been so bad this year. Most people draft him as an RB2. You know, people were thinking in the back of their head that he might revert to his LA days or even his St. Louis days and, you know, put up RB1 numbers in a really good offense, but he only had 56 yards in week one, only had 61 yards in week two, only has three targets out of the backfield through two games in the whole season. He can obviously, he can score a touchdown at the goal line and, and save your day, but against my Bears, t- really tough defense. I just don't expect much from Tugger this week. I think that that game is going to be lower-ish scoring. Don't don't start. If if you have better options, there's a lot better options than starting Tugger early this week. If you have to, you might have to, but wouldn't expect much from Tugger early this week. I wouldn't even start him in the flex. Oof. One more hate. Got one more hate. It's uh, Emmanuel Sanders. I know Michael Thomas. I know he went down. I know people are going to be expecting, oh, Emmanuel Sanders, he's, he's going to get all those targets. He's going to get fed. I mean, he was, only, Dud. he was only targeted three times last week, and he only caught one of the balls. And he and Drew Brees just have not clicked yet thus far through two weeks. And he was really a nice asset for Jimmy G and the 49ers last year. He was great for their offense. He added a huge new wrinkle. And I... I don't know what it is about the Saints or just obviously Drew Brees has fallen off the cliff, but man, I would stay away from him until you see a productive week, like a 12, at least 10 to 15 point week out of him before you're giving him flex um, considerations because he hasn't proven anything to you yet in terms of this year. So stay away from Emmanuel Sanders until he proves you otherwise. Yeah, he he just does not have him and Drew Brees are not clicking whatsoever. And they he couldn't get anything going without even with Michael Thomas out of the lineup. Traquan Smith and Jared Cook got all the looks. Kamara as well. He's I agree one hundred percent. Now the uh, Sean Payton came out and said that they are going to try and get him more involved. But I'll believe it when I see exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Literally. Sure, prove prove it. Yeah. Make it happen. Prove it to me. So, games, just any games that I think stick out to us that we're really excited about or just are highlighting for this week. Me personally, I you know, there's an obvious one on here, but the one I'm going with is the Sunday night game, Packers at the Saints. See if the Saints can bounce back. They're going to be in their dome. They've been a dome, dome team for Drew Brees' career. And the Packers are red hot on the road 
Aaron Rodgers in a dome too. I mean, we could be seeing a lot of points if the Saints, is, uh, if their offense, you know, can figure things out. But the Packers, man, if they come in here and they put a whooping on Drew Brees and the Saints, Saints go one and two. Look out! Could be one of those. Could be one of those years for the Saints. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. Yeah. I I agree with Ryan's assessment that I don't like the board this week, and I don't like the board. It might be the same reason as you because I think there's going to be so many games that are close this week. I think there's this slate of games this this week is really really good. Obviously, the Monday night game is the is the darling of the weekend. But, I mean, even some of the other games like Pittsburgh-Houston, New England we mentioned earlier. Um, Dallas-Seattle. Dallas-Seattle, good game. Houston needs that game yep. against yeah. Pittsburgh. They have run the gauntlet to start losing to Kansas City, losing to Baltimore. Now you get Pittsburgh. If you start 0-3 and the Titans go 3-0 and you're three games back of the, in the division already – Ooh, talk about a, a deep, deep hole to dig yourself out of. Bill O'Brien can start packing his bags. Um, and also, the Vikings, they they are they are super desperate. They could be it's in the same. It's die already. For they the could pack. be in the same position. Be, Packers could be 3-0. Well, also, they could be 0 That's also, I think, going to be a pretty good game. Yeah. Low, probably low scoring, but should be coming down to the wire. Should be a good witching hour, that's for sure, this mm. weekend. Yeah. Sorry, before Z goes, eight, only eight 1 p.m. games, and we get five 4 p.m. Oh, that's huge. Finally, they have balanced the slate. The slate has been restored. That's the best one. It's like 7 6. They never do 7 6. But 8 5 is is the best we can get. I'll take it. You get the Octobox. We still get the Octobox. Yeah, Fendi. Octobox, (laughs) take a shot. (laughs) And then you get five 4 p.m. slates. A couple of them are 405 compared to a 425, but we love to see that. Yeah. Mm. What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Z, did, did you have a game that you were You guys touched to? upon pretty much all of them. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean. The obvious one is this, the Monday night game. But. Yeah. There's really not that many bad games on the on the slate. I mean, yeah. Jets-Colts is kind of a snooze fest. Dolphins. Well, I mean, Dolphins-Jags was a bit. Thursday night game, yeah. so, so and you have Mortal Locks in play, so you got to be watching that tight, right? <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of great games this week. I mean, this early in the season, it's tough to call any teams that really suck, except for Miami, pretty much. And the Jets, two teams in the Patriots division, which yeah, I guess which helps. is good. And it's huge. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many subplots and storylines overall just throughout the league that like any given week, it's really hard to find a game that's not. That you know, that's like unwatchable. All of these games, you know, just feed all the football. Just feed me all the football. It's excited football is going too, and they're progressing along well. Full steam ahead. I mean, yeah. other than that one positive test with the review judge or whatever. Yeah. You know, but I mean, other than that, it's been all green. And so. some other teams are going to start to be able to have fans as the season progresses. I know Tampa Bay. I think is in October sometime. They're going to be um, able to have fans. Probably going to have the whole stadium open. <laughs> <laughs> But Miami will have the whole There's going to be fans there tonight in Jacksonville. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great slate. The board should be pretty interesting. We'll see how our mortal locks and board bets go, as well as fantasy love and hate. Always a great, always a great time to reflect on those. Always great. But if you know, we got any closing NFL thoughts here? 
to wrap up our NFL segment. Gardner time. Gardner Minshew time, baby. Minshew Ooh. mania. L for, L for Clark and pick him. That's tough. Game um, start? Start at 8-20. So, with it's that tough. being said, I think we can move on to a very emotional and stressful topic here. Uh, yeah, Boston man. Celtics <laughs> drop game four to the Miami Heat, 109-112, in very depressing, upsetting fashion. They're down 3-1 now, fellas, and the series seems like it's all but over. Just frustrating, top to bottom, the way they've been losing these games, the leads that they've blown, and the margin of victory that they're losing by is not by much in each of these games throughout their losses dating back to Toronto. It's mostly them shooting themselves in the feet. Guys like Tatum, game four, no points, 0 for 6 in the first half. He's your alpha, and he had a goose egg to start the biggest game of his career. It's troubling to say the least. Troubling to say the absolute minimum from what this team is about to go through. Game 5, if they blow it and they're out of the playoffs, it's a failure. It is not a disappointment. It's a failure. No Giannis. LeBron's in the West. Kawhi left the East. You get the Heat that are a good team, but they're also an overachieving team in terms of what their talent is compared to the Celtics. You're the higher seed. You have the bubble. You don't have to go to Miami. It's it's infuriating to see what this team has become in this playoff run. Yeah, I'll, I, I'm not willing to say that it's over, over, but I'll give them a 20% chance to win the series. So that's a Four out of five times they lose, one out of five times they win. I think that they're... Whatever happened after game two, it, it's it's lingering. It's going to linger if they lose this series. They didn't get it out of their system in game three. They just... I'm worried that some of them think they're better than they are. I mean, you know how much I love Tatum. I think that sometimes he thinks he's a little bit better than he is. I think the worst, the worst of all of them, though, is Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart thinks he's way better than he is. He thinks he's a legit, like, dead eye from three. Let me run the point. I mean, he, in the fourth quarter last night, he had two or three horrific turnovers. He took one of his trademark huck threes with, like, 21 seconds left on the shot clock, which he bricked when they were down, like, four or five. I mean, just just killer cannot happen, plays. Before, and, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I just, Kemba, just, just a c- constant disappointment to me since the Philly series. I mean, he's played a little bit better than he did in the Toronto series, but just, man. The, the first three games in the Toronto se- uh, series, he was fine. Yeah, but he, I'm he saying since fine. the middle of the Toronto series. Since, yeah, since I'd, about game like, four. He just... Meh. Like, I don't... He was really good, I thought, in the Philly series. He was good in the beginning. I don't think he's had a very above-average Kemba game since then. And Jalen Brown, he played really good in Game 3. Last night, meh. Hayward, meh. And they have no one besides them. So, like, if... They have no bench. So if they're, you know, top guys, a hawking bricks... It's really hard for them to win. Well, I, before you go, Ryan, I just want to say one thing about Tower Hero and the lack of ability to defend him. 
They had one guy that had some success in defending him, Gordon Hayward. But besides that, Kemba, 14 possessions. Uh, Hero scored 9 points, 4-7 shooting. Marcus Smart, 8 possessions, 6 points, 1-1 one one shooting. Brown, 7 possessions, defending him, 7 points, 3-3 three of, three of shooting. Hayward didn't allow him to score at all, 0-2 of, of shooting. And Tatum allowed him to go 3-4 of four on him. So, the, he was cooking everyone the one, the one that stands out to me there is on Brad Stevens. 14 possessions for Kemba Walker. Are you kidding me? It's a lot. Brad, you have to get Kemba off. You have to hide him on someone. I know that they have so much shooting. You can't. It's hard to hide them, but that's on the coach. Because 14 possessions on for Kemba on Tyler Hero. Are you kidding me? That's like that's unbelievable. Yeah. It's a lot. Some of those possessions, he was getting switched onto. Yeah. And he wasn't even trying. He just. Switch without even trying to fight through, but some of those he's just lining up on hero. Like, are you? Do you not see the man cooking? You are not the best defender on the team. What are you doing? Do not take that assignment. Yeah. Not that's, only are you not the best defender, you're probably the worst defender. Yeah, that's 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 one. Two, the Celtics got back to their ways of being baffled by a two-three zone. I ridiculous. I, dude. they still cannot figure out how to. To dissect a zone, in game two, they their method of attack was to settle for threes and play and just play iso ball. In game four, it was just force the issue and try to penetrate the zone, and all that did was result in turnover after turnover after turnover. Nineteen turnovers for the Celtics compared to only eight for the Heat. You lost the game right then and there. He'd had 17 points off of those turnovers. Too. Just you outshot them from the field from three. Uh, I'm not sure if they out rebounded them. They did, uh, and out of uh, they had more assists too. If they could just be not careless with the ball, they would have won that game. Seven turnovers in the fourth quarter. Just that cannot happen. And then, like you said, Dad, Tatum. Goose egg in the first half. While Tyler Hero was dropping twenty something for the Heat in the first half, and nobody else seems to pick up the the slack for the Celtics in that first half. Can't happen. You had the basically you had the reverse of the first three games where the Celtics would rush out to like a ten point lead, and then blow it. In this game, you had the Heat rush out to a ten point lead, and they almost blew it at the end, but they won. Yep. And so it was basically a game three reversed. Yeah, I got a little series that will that will piss you off even more. So they uh, the Celtics go up 85-84 with 8.51 left in the fourth quarter. Those next four possessions, Tice turnover, Tatum misses a three, Smart turns it over, and Smart turns it over again. Three of the four next possessions after they took the lead in the fourth, mind you, Three of those four are turnovers. I think the Heat went to score a couple you, of buckets. You go down, that. then you go after those four. You you're down 91-85 uh, yep. with six forty nine left. Celtics never tied it back up again. After that, just they yep. don't have the worst play for me in the fourth quarter last night. Wasn't even for the Celtics on the offensive end as well as bad as they were. Dan, I remember you were literally screaming oh. at the TV when this happened. Oh, I think it my was. God. Who was it uh, that had the ball out at like by, by midcourt? Maybe it was Hero. They went and they doubled him. They kicked the Bam on the on the foul line. He passed the Iguodala right underneath. 
Iguodala kicked it out to Goran Dragas. I mean, there wasn't a person within no. yeah. 10 yards. Yeah. There, there was a ball the, screen. In the corner. They doubled. The, oh, by the half. They doubled happening. way too far out. The double, and they they didn't go all in. They were late with the double. Slow. They The ball handler was able to kick it out. Ball movement. Rotations weren't quick enough. They weren't able to recover. Dragic had the open, wide open three. I think it was in the corner. Yeah, he canned it. And Fuck that it. that's been happening more so with Jay Crowder, where he just ends up, nobody's within 20 feet of the guy, and he's got all day to shoot. A guy that's not a knockdown three-point shooter. But then you get we Dragic there. Oh, my God. Like, are you kidding me? It's just brutal. And only four people killed you. I know that's a lot, but they had nobody else besides those four. You had Butler, Adebayo, and Dragic go off for 20. And then Hero had his 37 off the bench. Nobody else scored more than three points for the Heat. Nobody. It, it, that... For as much as we have said that the Heat have like a deeper bench or a deeper roster than the Celtics going into this series, it's just a hero off the bench. That's all it is. And for us, it, it's just basically Hayward. Maybe a little bit of Brad. Right. And that's it. And the fact that their like big four scores are beating or outscoring and outplaying our top four scores. Not a lot you can do about it. And the worst part about it, the worst part about this series yep. being 3-1 Heat, is that the cumulative score is dead even. Yeah. That's yeah. the worst part. It's like 451 to 451 or something like that. That just goes to show you that, obviously, the Celtics have had leads and they've blown them, but man, this could be 3-1 Celtics if they, A, didn't blow fourth quarter leads, and B, knew how to handle a zone yeah. on the defense. Play offense against his own. They've been in control in almost every game, or at least partially. You know, they just play themselves out of these games, and it is so frustrating because not one of the, not one of these games dating back to like mid Toronto series have they gotten like their doors blown off or something. It's just a matter of seventeen points, you're up. Twelve points in the fourth, you're up. And then with the Heat, you're doing the same type of stuff where you're turning the ball over constantly. Like I just said in that fourth quarter. Three out of your four turnovers right after you take the lead. Right after you think you're starting to get some momentum. What do you do? Miss shot and then three turnovers. And then you're down six. All of a sudden, Miami's running away with it. And you can't get back in. And this has happened multiple times where they they make it so close. At the end, they finally figure it out within the last two minutes. Then there's a costly turnover. There's a stupid shot that's made. Or there's the wrong pass that's made. Hayward, I think it was Hayward, literally passed it to Iguodala. In that game, I mean, it's brutal. This team should be up. I'm not saying it should be 3-1 Celtics, but they should not be down 3-1. At worst, it should be 2-2. is what this series is. You can't say the Celtics should be up because of the way they're playing, but you you can absolutely make the case that they absolutely could be up 3-1. They just let a rookie go off for 37, and he's a good rookie, but they just let him go off and torch them absolutely torched them, and they had virtually no answer for him. I mean, the it's unbelievable. This, if this, when the Celtics, if when the Celtics lose tomorrow night, the five seed in the East, I know it's the Anna bubble, the five seed in the East is going to go to the finals. And not only are they going to go to the finals, they're going to go 12-2 in the first three rounds. Talk about blowing through the Eastern Conference. Yeah. The path was there. Like 
Who would have thought that the Heat were going to take out the Bucks the way they did? That the Celtics were going to get a Ben Simmons-less 76ers that they handedly took care of? A Raptors team that still had a lot of fight and a lot of grit and was a tough matchup for you? Ultimately, they were able, they were able to overcome that. But this Miami Heat team, man, they just somehow... Jimmy Butler, Tower Hero, Bam Adebayo, just been a nightmare for this Celtics team. And what a blown opportunity if they end up losing uh, this series, which they probably will. Massive missed opportunity for this young team to get a finals appearance, to really start to establish that caliber of what they are. Tatum arriving the way he did this year, all-NBA player. I, everything was going their way. Everything. Literally everything was breaking their way, and they've really done it to themselves. Yeah, and you mentioned we've mentioned a lot about the players, but I don't think we can conclude talking about the Celtics without just acknowledging that people that think Brad Stevens is like the best coach in the league, he's a young wizard and stuff like that, that he has been coached circles around by Eric Spolster this series. And two, Absolutely two straight series. coached circles around. Two straight series. Nick Nurse, and now Spolstra. I mean, the the Toronto played a zone, struggled the Celtics struggled against it. Spolstra and the Heat coaching staff looked in, they said, oh my God, the Celtics can't beat a zone. Toronto broke camera. And they said, we'll run a zone. And we'll do it even better. Yeah. They beat will. us. Beat us. We're playing a zone. Everyone knows how to beat a zone. Everyone knows how to break a zone. Except the Celtics. Except you guys. <laughs> do it. And they can't. I... I, I I'll just say it one more time. I can't. I think it's baffling. I think I've used that word six times in the past two pots. How they have not even tried to consistently put somebody in the middle at the free throw line on offense against that zone. Every time you get that the ball to the guy in the middle and have him turn and face the basket, that defense has to automatically collapse or they're giving you the free th- the free throw or elbow jumper. So it should be Hayward or Jalen Brown in that position. You're even smart. Anybody. If you say anybody, anybody, Robert Williams, anyone but the center should yeah. be there. Yeah. You have to have a wing player there so that they can be in the triple threat position, be able to explode, attack the basket, or just hit the step back or turn around fadeaway jumper. Just take what the defense gives you, and they can't even do that. I, I, their, their way of attacking the zone has been putrid, to say the least, and I am fed up with it. I am fed up with it. Done. The, the fight after game two could have been the turning point for this team. If they had tied up the series last night, people would be like, oh, that fight after game two, that was kind of a low-key turning point for this team, maybe. But instead, they wilt and go the other way. You know, I was going to ask you guys, who do you, you know, who shoulders most of this blame? And to me, it's, I don't think it's that hard. I think it's Tatum overall. He should take most of the blame overall because he's the leader. He's your best player. He is your one. I think, you know, it's obviously a player's league. It's, you know, one of those things where the stars usually prevail. Jimmy Butler is a star, but Tatum on the rise with the talent that he has around him, I put it on him. He's had too many times where he's shown up, and again, goose egg in the first half, 
0 for 6. I'm putting to the blame me, on not, all of them. Yeah, but he, he, for me, Tatum has to be that guy where he has to establish that, all right, I'm the leader now. This is my team. And no one's really – it's like a collective – it's like they're almost trying to lead collectively, but they need one guy to kind of be that alpha. And I think he's wanted to be that, but he just doesn't consistently – he's not consistently there. Uh, to be that guy every single night. If he's having an off night like he did last night, he just he didn't look engaged at all. And that falls on him. Their offensive rating last night was under 90. It hadn't been under 90 all season long. Not once. But in the biggest game of your life, you're going to play your worst offensive basketball for the whole, the whole entire season? Obviously, it goes on all of them, but I... I point at Tatum first, first and foremost. I put the most blame on Stevens. He has been abused. I, He's been abused. I, I put it on all of them. I have a hard time putting the coach at number one, though. In, in the NBA? No. I don't know, man. I like I put it equally on all of the key Celtics rotation players and the coach. The Tice and Smart cannot be fouling out of games and putting up clunkers of stat lines like Smart has from time to time. Like, Kemba cannot be consistently putting up stinkers on the offensive end when no, he's a defensive liability. Well, last night, he wasn't even, like, he wasn't as bad. I, I know. I'm not saying last night, but he went through five games in a row where he was putrid on offense, where he was he was, yeah. he was was garbage. Yeah, I mean, if you want to dish on Tatum for having a goose egg, at least he had 28 in the second half. Kemba yeah. scored Five points. When he I know, but he's supposed minutes. to do that. He's your number one. Kemba's not supposed to be. Yeah, but Kemba's. Get, he was twenty. Kemba's he, getting paid a max. I know, contract. but he, he still put up twenty six of fourteen. I'll take that from Kemba any day of the week. You know who, who needs to be shooting the ball more? Jalen Brown again. Yeah, I was going to get to him. Fourteen shots attempted. Why is he not shooting the ball more? Twenty two is fine from Tatum, but if it's going to be twenty two for Tatum and the next leading shot taker is only going to be at fourteen, that's a problem. One hundred percent a problem. Brown can't be sitting idly in the corner, on on you know, in that zone. And he played the most minutes. Brown, when push comes to shove, just seems to be defaulting to just sitting in the corner and letting somebody else try and figure it out. And then Tatum, you 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 guys have already gone up into a bat. He he needs to be a consistent scorer, start to finish. Can't wait till the second half to turn it on. Yeah, he did drop 28 and outscore some of our – what was he, our leading scorer? He was. Oh, no, yeah, he but, was. I mean, if he scores like 10 points in the first half, yeah, yeah that's have, a different game. You can't literally be the number one guy on the team, the future of the franchise, and do that in the first half. You can't. That's, so, that's not what you're – that yeah. is not what he should be. Yeah. So It's unacceptable. And I'm, Kemba should be better too. I yeah. will say that. So they're all there's all blame to go around there. And then absolutely, Brad Stevens has to take a good chunk of the blame as well, because how do you let your team, which is so vastly talented, especially on the offensive end, fail against a zone defense? That's on. I put the failure to dissect and break down a zone defense on him. The fact that he yeah, can't cook sure. anything up to help his players break it down. Like if the players can't figure it out and they default to shooting, trying to shoot at beat the zone by shooting, 
he's got to be able to stop that before it becomes a habit right. and and set up an offense. And he he has not been able to figure out and draw up anything to yeah. break that down. That's 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 on him. Also, what Brad is has shown over you know his career thus far is he's really really good, possibly elite at getting the most out of you know a, a team that isn't wildly talented, right? A team that will put in the work and will work hard and will give one hundred ten percent, not take days off. He's great with that kind of team. He hasn't proven it with a team that is wildly talented, multiple all-stars, multiple max players, a lot of different egos to manage in the room. Multiple years now, he hasn't been able to, to, to prove that he can really be successful with that kind of core. And yeah, he's done better this year, but also things have broken their way. And Toronto, that series could have gone either way. Absolutely. Yeah. And one more person I wanted to put some blame on that we haven't mentioned at all is the GM, Danny Ainge. Oh, we're coming this, at Trader Danny. This, we knew at the trade deadline that this team was very, very top-heavy. So what did Trader Danny do? Nothing. Sat and did nothing. So you have second thoughts about the trade deadline? I don't know how you can't when you watch. They have nothing coming off the bench to help them. You know, just an instant offense guy off the bench when they have all these assets. You know, and it goes back to last year, too. So they had the 14th pick, and I guess Danny Ainge really liked Tyler Hero. They had three picks in the first round, and they spent all their three picks, or they traded them away when he could have packaged, you know, 14, 22, and 26, or whatever they had. And you could have moved from 14 to 11, or something like that, and you draft the guy that you want rather than drafting Romeo Langford, who does nothing because he's hurt, uh, drafting Matisse Teibel, who would have been good on the Celtics, trading him away to get a pick. Uh, that turned into Grant Williams, who's okay, and then trading another pick to get Milwaukee's pick this year, which is 30th. So, you know, he has all these assets. I mean, you have he knew going into this year that they had, last year at the draft, he knew they had established guys. You know, he knew, he didn't know that Kemba was going to be signing, potentially. He might, you know, in June of 2019, he might have had, some inklings that Kemba was coming and Kyrie was gone and whatnot. But he knew what he had in Hayward. He knew what he had in Brown. He knew that Tatum was improving. It would have been nice to see them try to make a deal for, you know, an established player or at least to move up in the draft and get a guy that you like rather than drafting three Carson Edwards (laughs) and stashing them in the G League next to Tremont Waters and, you know, the James Youngs of the world and the Ante Zizics of the world and, yeah. and stuff like that. The Yabusellis. Like, he's hit on a lot of picks, but it would be nice if, like, he packaged some of the picks and got an established player that you know is a sure thing that would would have helped the team right now. Yeah, it's definitely fair to question what they did or the lack of things they did at the trade deadline with the picks that they do have. It's a team that is, you know, clearly on the come about to establish themselves and you don't make any sort of move or try to do anything to shore up maybe your front court because you got a thin front court that isn't great defensively besides one guy who doesn't play a ton in Robert Williams so they, they definitely should have done something I don't know what anything something to help out the bench to stretch them out a little bit more instead of playing a you know glorified six or seven man rotation if you could just go a little bit deeper, maybe, you know, maybe 
they're just fatiguing guys too a lot big time with just the amount of minutes that they've had to play and the amount of uh, overtime games and just you know you don't have a deep team whatsoever so it's not like you can roll eight to nine deep you got guys like Semi Ojale that should be a, a free safety rather than a basketball player I mean so they, they didn't have enough they didn't have enough they should have done something at the deadline fair to question I agree Jonathan I wish they did I don't think it's I don't think it's that reasonable I think especially when you're saying too many minutes the Heat are playing several their starters heavy minutes I mean and we'd be singing a different tune if a couple of games went in the series ended up going a different couple different ways oh absolutely if we were up 3-1 we wouldn't be having this conversation of saying oh we need we should have done something at the trade deadline we why why didn't Danny Age do this why didn't he do that we'd be singing the praises of whoever played well so I'm not ready to say that Danny Age made a mistake because he didn't do anything at the deadline he trusted in his team and his team got to this point and now they're failing that's on them. One rotation piece, I don't know if that makes or breaks the team. Maybe not. I know how close the series is in, so the series has been, so maybe it, it would, but who knows? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not ready to say that it would have made the difference. I, I just think it just comes down to they're just getting outplayed and outcoached in this series, and they're failing to execute when push comes to shove late in games. I just wish to. I like part of me does wish. Even back then, I, I was hoping that it, that they were going to make a move. But even you know when you see Hayward going out for around a month, it just I don't know. It it would have been nice to have someone else that could have given you a, a little bit more than Carson Edwards or uh, Romeo Langford who gets on the court for five minutes and you know five, so, literally one yeah, minute, like one minute <laughs> and already uh, gets injured. So I don't know. It just would have been nice, especially, you know, you saw Hayward go out for a while. He didn't leave for the birth of his son, but, um, you know, credit to him there and his wife. I mean, that couldn't have been an easy call. But, yeah, now they're down 3-1. See if they can pull a Denver. I don't know. Give me a commercial no, where no, Kemba Walker is telling whoever, I'm not ready to go home yet. I told the team, I'm not ready to go home. So... Maybe we can get that, and they'll come back from 3-1 just like Denver has twice. Um, who knows? It's a tough scene, Speaking of Denver, I mean... Yeah, Denver's down 2-1 now. I fear the Lakers. You really, really don't want to win this game, uh, game four. <laughs> I think that's the last thing you want if you're the Lakers. Yeah. No, but for real... It must lose. The Lakers... I, I just don't see Denver figuring out this series. I, I don't know, man. The Lakers just showed... That if if it's just LeBron and AD carrying the load on offense and nobody else pitches in from that team, they're very beatable. The Nuggets handled them last night. Got combined 50 from Joker and Murray. I think Jeremy Grant had like 26. <laughs> um, and uh, I think it was Monte Morris off the bench had like 14 or 15 for them. Uh the Nuggets are deep, and they can play. And if if they're if Murray and Jokic are cooking, and they get contra- some contributions elsewhere, they can hang with the Lakers. I know the first two games didn't go their way, 
But the Lakers just proved that they're beatable. The Nuggets can beat them. They can hang with them. And now now it's up to the Lakers. Now the ball's back in their court. They got to bounce back. Absolutely. And it's not just... It's not like LeBron and AD have to bounce back. They need help. They, they've been getting that help most of the postseason. They've been having guys like Mark Keith Morris and, and KCP and, and Rondo step up for them big time. And Kuzma. Those guys were nowhere to be found last night. Um, and if that were to continue, Nuggets can get right back into this series. Yeah, I, I think whoever wins that series is going to ultimately win the championship. The, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> if the Nuggets end up in the finals, I just their team of effing destiny. If, if, if the Celtics if the Celtics get bounced, I'm i I'm I am fan I'm jumping on Jonathan's Nuggets Nuggets. <laughs> um I just think if they've come back from three one twice, unprecedented, if they're able to get by the Lakers I don't see them losing the finals, whether it's the Heat, Celtics, either way. I just don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, so to wrap things up quickly, uh, quick wrap-up segment uh, to finish things off. Bryson DeChambeau wins the U.S. Open. Uh, only guy to finish under par uh, for the tournament after transforming his body, uh, completely adding a ton of weight, pounding protein shakes like you read about, and he wins his first major and wins the U.S. Open. Very impressive. Winged foot. You know, there's that course looked like an absolute bear and a nightmare. The rough was extremely thick and long. It, the greens looked like an absolute nightmare as well. And this guy, Bryson DeChambeau, is the only one to go under par. And kudos to him for what he did with his body, changing everything, getting really big, hitting the ball a billion yards. And... Looks like it's working. I mean, he just won the U.S. Open, so it's crazy. Crazy to see that kind of thing happen. I think it's great for the game. Obviously, a lot of people love him or hate him. He's extremely polarizing, so anything that's good for the game of golf, I'm going to be a fan of. So, huge. Huge there. Uh, Then the other thing I wanted to touch on as well, real quick, is the PlayStation 5. A little eSport. PS5 set to release this holiday season. $500 for the version with the disc tray. $400 for the digital only without the disc tray. So, crazy specs. It's as close to a PC as you can get without being a PC. It it seems like that's like the way the consoles are trending. So, I don't know. I'm definitely going to get one. Uh, They sold out really quick, though. uh, But I saw GameStop is, like, releasing more pre-ordered stuff. So, whatever. That's cool, but I'll probably hang on to the PS4 for a bit until eventually getting that. But that'll be pretty sweet. New generation of consoles is among us, so that's nice too. Next week, uh, again, we'll run it back. We'll react to whatever goes on with the Celtics and Heat here and on the Western Conference side as well. And obviously, we'll be talking a bunch of football. More to lock. Don't forget, Cleveland, minus 7.5. Put that on the board. Uh, just easy money, and then San Fran minus two and a half, and the rest of the guys as well. We're all going to hit this week. I think every single one of us are going to hit. Besides the board bets, those can flip there a little bit. 
But that's our show. Duke stinks. Thank you all. Duke sucks. Duke absolutely blows. Uh, thank you all for listening. Malcolm Off Sports Show with Dan Zane, Ryan Brown, Jonathan Sullivan, and Zachary Lacey. We'll see you all next time. in my Radio!